If you have your Bibles, which I hope you do because this is Bible study, uh, I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Now, this is such a message on prayer that I'm actually going to be teaching this a couple times because I really want the lesson. I really want this word uh, to get deep down in your spirit. So if you hear this message again in a couple weeks, I don't want you to say, oh, I heard this before. No, uh, you need to get it again. This, this word that I'm going to give you needs to be rooted in your mind and in your spirit. So um, I'm excited to share with you some of the things that God has been uh, showing me. Matthews chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. I'm going to read it out of the New King James uh, Version. And Matthews chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. When everybody's there, say amen. <laughs> if you're at home, give me a thumbs up. If you're watching on Facebook, say amen. Write amen on that, on that uh, comment section. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Here we go. This is the words of Jesus. In this manner, Jesus said, therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We open up our hearts tonight. We open up our minds. Lord, we thank you that your word is powerful. And Lord, as we study your word, it transforms us and heals us and makes us whole again. Teach us tonight, comfort us tonight, strengthen us tonight, and if need be, correct us. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone says, amen and amen. Tonight I'm going to be talking from the subject, kingdom prayer, kingdom prayer. And I was thinking, have you ever had... Um, a conversation on your cell phone and you said goodbye to the individual and both of you guys said goodbye and um, but the other individual on the other side of the line didn't hang up and you're stuck there listening to their conversation with somebody has that ever happened to you you said goodbye but they didn't hang up that that's happened to me quite a few times and I like, I'm stuck there, tempted to eavesdrop on somebody's conversation, seeing what they're going to say. And I'm like, inside of me, I'm like, hang up, hang up already, hang up already. I, I even think maybe Pastor, it happened with Pastor Sandy and Pastor Benny. One time. Hang up already, hang up. And, and you really don't want to listen to them, right? You don't want to listen to Pastor Benny if you don't think you're listening because it's like, it's being nosy, it's being eavesdrop. But you're like, hang up, hang up. When it comes to God, when it comes to God, he doesn't ever want you to hang up on him. When it comes to your communication to God, when it comes to your connection to God, when it comes to your walk with God, God 
doesn't want us to ever, I'm going to say this again, to ever hang up on him. In fact, in fact, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 17, God instructs us in his word. He says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. In other words, don't ever hang up on me. I don't want you to hang up on me. I want you to stay on the line because I know that you're going to need me any given second. You're going to need me. You're probably going to need me at work. You're going to probably need me driving the car in traffic. You're going to, you're going to need me and, and you're going to come into a situation where you're not going to have enough time to dial me up. It takes time to dial somebody up. So God says, never, don't, don't even, don't even hang up on me. Just, just stay on the line. Pray without ceasing. Now, what is prayer? What is prayer? One of my favorite definitions of prayer is that prayer is co-laboring with God to help manifest his will on the earth. I'm going to say that again. Prayer is co-laboring with God to help manifest his will on earth. I, I really want you to get this perspective on prayer because many years, for many years, I just thought, you know, my, my perspective on prayer was narrow. I thought prayer was just, I'm just going to talk to God. I'm just going to, I'm just going to talk to God and, and talking to God is included in prayer, but prayer has a, has a, has a bigger purpose than just um, talking to God. It's actually co-laboring with God to help manifest his will. He's called us to pray to him because he has some work that needs to get done on this earth and he's chosen prayer to get it done. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? When it comes to God's will, you need to understand something. When it comes to God's will, there's two sides to God's will. There's the part of God's will that is going to happen no matter what. There's an aspect of God's will that's going to happen no matter what. You can't vote on it. You can't uh, argue about it. I mean, it's going to happen because he's sovereign and he's in control. There's a part of God's will that's going to happen uh, no matter what. But, but there's another aspect of God's will that is his, his desire to happen. It is, it is his desire to happen, but he has chosen prayer to help get it done. Did you catch that? This is the aspect of, of prayer that we need to master as Christians. This is the aspect of prayer that we need to get involved in. It is the aspect that is, it's God's desire, His will, is His desire to happen, but, but in, in His wisdom, He has chosen prayer as the means to make it happen, to get it done. That's why He calls us to pray. That's why He expects us to pray. In fact, I would suggest to you that there's a lot more that God wants to get done in this world. There's a lot more that God wants to get done in this world. There's a lot more that God wants to get done in your life. There's a lot more that God wants to get done in your marriage. There's a lot more that God wants to get done in your ministry and your career. But he's only going to do it to the level that you pray. He's only going to perform his will, that aspect of his will, to the level that you pray. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? He's, he's going to work to the extent that you pray. So if you don't have a prayer life, don't expect God to get it done. If you don't have a prayer life, don't expect God to work miracles in your life. What is prayer? 
prayers, co-laboring with God to help manifest His will on earth. Now, the particular prayer that we read tonight in Matthew's uh, chapter 6 is, is most commonly referred to as the Lord's Prayer. Uh, it's commonly referred to as the Lord's Prayer, but I, I think it's better named the Disciples' Prayer. The Disciples' Prayer. The Lord's Prayer, in my perspective, is John chapter 17, which is the high priestly prayer. But this prayer, I think it's better titled as the Disciples' Prayer because it is the prayer that Jesus teaches his disciples. In fact, um, he says this prayer in two places. He says this prayer in, in uh, Matthew chapter 6, and then he says this prayer in Luke chapter chapter 11. And in Luke chapter 11, he says he teaches them this type of prayer, the disciples, this type of prayer in response to a question. Jesus had such, such a, a, a prayer testimony, such a life of prayer that his disciples turned around and said, Lord, teach me how to pray. Teach me how to pray. Now, I find that fascinating that Jesus's testimony of prayer was so compelling that the disciples, they didn't say, teach me how to preach. They didn't say, teach me how to to heal somebody no they said teach me how to pray now i pray one day that i may have such a testimony right i i've never you know be honest we could talk like family i don't remember anybody like looking at my life and just being so inspired by me praying all the time that they said brian won't you teach me how to pray teach me how to pray that's a powerful testimony to have i've, I've had people ask me other things to teach them but not prayer and I my pray that one day um, I could have that testimony too this prayer um, is one of the most well-known prayers in the Bible uh, yet it's one of the mo most least understood least understood tonight I want to just bring some reflections out of actually one or two verses of it I'm not even gonna tackle all the prayer so much meat and so much revelation in this prayer that I could only uh, uh, tackle a couple pieces of this prayer. So I'm only going to give you three reflections tonight that are rooted in this kingdom prayer, this kingdom prayer. Are you following along? I'm going to give you three reflections. Here's reflection number one. Someone say number one. Number one, let us view God as heavenly father. Let us view God as Heavenly Father. I'm trying to help your perspective. I'm trying to change your perspective. I'm trying to line up your perspective with the Bible. I'm trying to line up your perspective with Jesus. And the first thing that we need to understand that Jesus teaches us in this prayer is let us view God as Heavenly Father. Notice how he starts off this prayer in verse 9. He says, Our Father... Our Father, our Father. Two words, but they're powerful words. Our Father, our Father. Notice he starts it off by all, our Father. Now, notice Jesus did not say our Lord. He didn't say our Master. He didn't say our Creator. Notice that, notice that. He didn't say our Lord, our Master, or our Creator. He takes us deeper I say that again. He takes us deeper. He unveils, Jesus unveils in this prayer, he unveils the proper view of God for a son or a daughter of God. He, he unveils the proper view of God. And he starts his prayer with the right view of God. A.W. Tozer, a man of God of many years ago, said, 
what comes to mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes to mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Get this. How we view someone determines or affects how we interact with someone. Are you following along? How we view someone, how we, how we view someone uh, 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 impacts how we respond to that person. If we have a particular view of somebody, it's going to determine our behavior, our interaction with somebody. That's why it's so important that we have a proper view of God. Our view of God affects everything about us. It affects our worship. Our worship is affected by our view of God. Our worship is affected by our view of God. Our, our behavior is affected by our view of God. Most of us, I would dare say, most of us grew up with a wrong view of God. It needs to be corrected. It needs to be corrected. Most of us grew up with a wrong view of God, and we need to correct our view of God by lining up with the Scripture. I know I did. I know by the time I was, I was 10 years old, I was looking out the window of my bedroom, and I was blaming God for every wrong thing that was happening in my life. Never forget, I'm blaming God for every wrong thing that was happening in my life when all along it wasn't God's fault, it was somebody else's fault. But I adopted this bad view of God and it caused me to run from God instead of run to God. Does that make sense? The right view of God will free you. The right view of God will empower you. A right view of God will give you the faith to conquer the problems in your life. That's why the enemy wants you to have a wrong view of God. Again, if your view of God is wrong, you'll run from him instead of to him. As a little kid, I had a wrong view of God, and I ran from Him. God wants us to view Him as Heavenly Father. God wants us to view Him as Heavenly Father, as Father. Jesus shocked the world when He called God Father. You know, it seems natural to us when we read the scripture and we see that Jesus called God Father. It's natural to us because that is a term that we use frequently in our life. But let me tell you something. Listen to this. In the Old Testament, uh, 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 God is only referred to as Father at around 15 times in the entire Old Testament. Around 15 times. In the New Testament, God is referred to Father or revealed as Father over 150 times. You know why? Because Jesus wanted to shift our view of God. I'm working on a message right now on kingdom shifts that when we when we grow into in the kingdom there's certain shifts that God does and one of the things he does is he shifts our view from just God just king just creator to heavenly father and it's more than just a word it's a revelation it's a revelation and we need to we need to pray hard for this revelation because most of us didn't grow up with fathers or most of us grew up with earthly fathers that were not in, you know that were not in our life and whether we realize it or not it affected our view of God because now we hear God as a father and we try to compare God to our earthly father when 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 that's that's not a good thing to do that that God the father our heavenly father is not really our earthly father he is the real 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 father mm. Jesus shocked the world. It was a radical view of God. It shocked the Jewish leaders so much that that's one of the reasons why they tried to kill Jesus. I don't know if you know this or not, but in John chapter 5, verse 18, 
it says this was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father. They were hating on him. They were hating on him. They're like, how are you going to call him heavenly father? How are you going to call him father? Jesus wanted to shift our view of God, right? He knew that the way we viewed God affected the way we approach God. The way we viewed God affects the way we approach God. If you think of God as this big God with a bat waiting for you to mess up, every, and every time you mess up, he's going to just clock you over the head, you ain't ever going to approach God. You ain't ever going to call out to God. I wouldn't want to call out to that type of God, but that's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible wants to reveal himself to you and I as Heavenly Father. That's a deep revelation. comes with many blessings. God as Father signifies a generous provider. A generous uh, provider. We have a Heavenly Father who takes care of his kids. Uh, he's not a deadbeat dad, right? Our Heavenly Father is not a deadbeat dad. He's not an inactive dad. No, our Heavenly Father takes care of us. He provides for us. Provides for us. God as Father means he's always ready to take us back. He's always ready to take us back. God as Father means He's always ready to take us back. There's a powerful story that Jesus told in Luke chapter 15. It's commonly known as the prodigal son. And it talks about how a son took his inheritance from the father, took all the money and went to a foreign land and began to spend the money on, on, on just frivolous stuff, partying, maybe girls, maybe drugs, I don't know, maybe alcohol. And then one day this kid, this guy, this kid found himself, spent all his money. He, he don't have no more friends. He don't have no one taking care of him. He's found in a, in a, in a pigsty and he's in the pigsty and he realizes that, man, I have a, I have a father at home and, and, and the, and the, the son realizes, man, I can go back to my father and the son runs to his father. And the powerful part of the story is the father is there waiting for his son, like hoping his son is coming back. And he doesn't even allow his son to run all the way. He sees his son and the father jets after him. You know why? Because God as Father means He's ready to take us back. And the story in Luke chapter 15 talks about how the Father provided a robe for the Son and a ring for the Son. And that signifies giving His dignity back. Giving His dignity back. That the Father gives you your dignity back. Your honor back. And, and, the, and the story says that the Father put some brand new sandals on the boy's feet. Which signifies the, the Father's provision. The Father's provision. And I love that when we come back to the Father. Not only does He restore our life. But He restores our honor. And He restores our dignity. I just experienced a powerful thing today in relation to that. I was Just today I was invited to speak in the city of Compton uh, at a prayer vigil hosted by uh, one of the council members with the mayor. And I didn't realize it until I got there that the prayer vigil was actually on the porch of the Compton courthouse. <laughs> it was on the porch of the Compton Courthouse and oh my God, I begin to realize that 27 years ago at the age of 17 years old that in that Compton Courthouse I was sentenced to life in prison. I lost my dignity, I lost my honor, I lost my life, I lost my future in that Compton Courthouse and here I am because I came back to God 20, uh, you know, 20 years ago or so, because I came back to God 26 years ago or however it was, 26 years later God takes me back to the Compton Courthouse on the porch 
porch of the Compton Courthouse and I get to share about the amazing power of Jesus Christ. And not only that, the leader of that the leader of the group said, listen, Brian, before you get done, before you walk off the stage, I want you to bless the mayor and bless the city council people. And there I was, there I was just a couple hours ago. There I was kind of blessing the mayor and blessing the love me. I got sentenced to life in that building. And now God has restored my dignity and my honor to be able to bless other people. That's what it means when God is our father. Secondly, the second reflection means um, let us magnify our Heavenly Father. Let us magnify our Heavenly Father. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, our Father in heaven. I want you to catch that phrase. In heaven. Our Father in heaven. Now get this. I'm going to teach you something that you probably don't know. When Jesus referred to our Father in heaven... It meant more than just a place. Pause. Let that settle in. For years I read that verse, uh, Pastor Sandy. For years I read that verse. Um, and I thought it was just Jesus. Jesus was just telling us where, Jesus, where God was. When it says our Father in heaven. Um, I thought it was just telling me, oh, our, God is in heaven. He was, I, I thought Jesus was just giving us his location, right? But it means more than just location. When Jesus said, Father in heaven, he was referring to an attribute of God. He was referring to the person of God. He was referring to who God is. He was describing God. In other words, he was saying that God is over everything. That's what he meant when he said, our Father in heaven. He wasn't just giving God's location. He was describing God, and he was meaning that God was over everything. That God is high above everything. That God is more powerful than everything. God over everything. That's what he was teaching us. Jesus was magnifying the Father. He was magnifying the Father, magnifying the Father, magnifying the Father. Get this, I'm going to teach you something you probably don't know. There are two kinds of magnifying. Two kinds of magnifying. There's microscope magnifying, and then there's telescope magnifying. Microscope, and then telescope. Microscope makes small things look bigger than they really are. Follow along now. Microscope. You remember that when you're in seventh grade and you put a frog underneath the microscope, right? It made small things look bigger than they really are. Telescopes, on the other hand, they make big things look as big as they really are. You get the difference? Microscope makes small things look bigger than they really are. Telescope makes big things look as big as they really are. So get this. Jesus was telescoping the Father. He was telescoping the Father. He was helping us see um, God as big as He really is. That's what He's doing. He's trying to help us see God as big as He really is. He's as big as heaven. He's as big as heaven. Isaiah 66 verse 1 says, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. We are called, our brothers and sisters, to be telescope type of Christians. 
telescope type of Christians. When people look at your life, what impression do they get? When people look at your life, think about that. What impression do they get? When people, when people look at your life, do they, do they think you have big problems and a little God? When people look at your life, do they think you ha- do they think do they do they think you magnify your problems instead of magnifying God? D- does your life magnify your problems or does it magnify God? Does your life magnify your challenges or does it magnify God? What impression does your life give? Does it magnify God or does it magnify your stress? All we got to do is check out your Facebook page the last couple of days. See what you're talking about. So get this. When you start prayer magnifying God, it shrinks your problems. When you start your your day magnifying God, it shrinks your day. When you start your work magnifying God, it shrinks it shrinks your your workload. Psalms chapter 34 verse 3 says, "Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Magnify the Lord with me." Let us magnify our Heavenly Father. Here's the last reflection. Last reflection. Let us honor our Heavenly Father. Let us honor our Heavenly Father. Look at what Jesus says. He says, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. That word hollow means value. It means treasure. It means honor. That word hallowed means value, treasure, or honor. And the statement of Jesus was more of a request. In other words, he was saying, let your name be honored. Let your name be valued. Let your name be treasured. Isaiah chapter 25 verse 1 in the New Living Translation says, O Lord, I will honor and praise your name. Now there's a personal side to this, and then there's a global side to this request. The personal side is, let my life honor you. Let my life honor you, Lord. I want my life to bring you honor. I don't want my life to bring you shame. The the personal side is, let my marriage honor you. Let my marriage honor you. I don't don't want my life, uh, uh, my marriage to bring you shame. Let my marriage honor you. Let my my work ethic honor you, God. Let let the way that I work honor you. Let the way that that I talk honor you. I don't want my talk to dishonor you. I want my whole being, body, soul, and mind to bring you honor. That's that's the personal side. One of the reasons why God called out um, us out of darkness is so that his name can be honored in our lives. That's one of the reasons why God saved you. It's the reason why God delivered you. Is so that his name can be honored in our lives. In Psalms 106 verse 8, the New Living Translation, it says, Even so he saved them to defend the honor of his name and to demonstrate his mighty power. That's the personal side. And then there's the global side. Let your name be honored in our nation, Lord. Let your name be honored in our cities, Lord. 
Let your name be honored in our state, Lord. Let your name be honored in our, in our nation. Let your name be honored in our world, Lord. Are we, are we praying that God's name be honored in this world, right? Let your name be honored in the elections coming up. There's election, presidential elections coming up. Lord, are we praying? Are we praying or are we complaining? Are we playing, praying or are we arguing? Listen, you, you can't argue and pray at the same time. It doesn't work. You can't pray and complain at the same time. It doesn't work. In fact, I think the strategy of the enemy is to get a Christian to complain because he knows as long as the Christian is complaining, he ain't praying. So are we praying for the election? Are we saying, Lord, let your name be honored in this election. Let your name be honored through this vote. Let your name be honored. Jesus taught us how to pray. He said, hallowed be your name. My brothers and sisters, as we learn about kingdom prayer, God is changing our perspective. Let us view God as Heavenly Father. Let us magnify our Heavenly Father. And let us honor our Heavenly Father to His glory. In Jesus' name. Let's bow our heads. Wherever you're at this afternoon or whatever time you're watching this let's bow our heads and just reflect upon the word of the Lord this and think about what was the Lord trying to get across to you think about what the Lord was trying to get across to you just for a couple moments and then I'm gonna pray I'm gonna pray for you and then we will transition so let us bow our heads and reflect upon the word of the Lord pray for you right now for those that are struggling I want to pray that God strengthen you and help you if you're able just lift up your hands towards the camera right now and I'm going to pray that God strengthen you strengthen you Father God in the name of Jesus Lord, I pray for all those who are struggling, Lord God. You know what they're going through, Father. I pray, Father God, that you draw them closer to you. I pray, Father God, that you draw them closer to you, Father God, in the name of Jesus. I pray, Father God, that you strengthen them in their mind and in their spirit, Lord God. I pray that you fill them with the power of your Holy Spirit even now. Fill them, Lord, with the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray that you break the shackles of depression. I pray that you break the shackles of depression, the shackles of discouragement, the shackles of low self-esteem. Break it, Lord. Break it, Father. I pray that you set somebody free right now in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Praise. Amen. God bless you. I hope you learned something from that word today. And uh, at this time, we're going to transition to worship the Lord through our tithes and our offerings. Um, and I want to just encourage you uh, to get your best gift ready for the Lord. So always remember, we give out of gratitude unto the Lord. We give out of gratefulness. We don't give out of obligation. 
We don't give because we have to give. That's not the type of God we serve. Our Heavenly Father uh, provides for us. Our Heavenly Father gives us all that we need. Our Heavenly Father models for us generosity. And as followers of God, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are called to walk in the footsteps of generosity. So I want to challenge you to give your best gift to the Lord. There are four ways that you can give. You can give online at chaplachange.org. In fact, right now, I'm going to put up on the screen uh, the four ways to give. You can give online, chaplachange.org. Uh, you could give through a debit machine in person. If you come to any one of our in-person worship services on Saturday or Sunday, you can give through the debit machine uh, in person. Uh, you can text. Uh, you can text to give. You can text to give. You text the word chapel to one 364 That's text the word chapel to one 364 Three, and they'll give you instructions on how to give through your phone. Or you can mail your offering uh, to our church. Our administrative campus is our Paramount location, 6701 Alondra Boulevard, Paramount, California. Now, don't forget, if you're not on my text message ministry, I send out a text once or twice a week, keep you updated, uh, send you encouragement. And also, you could text back prayer requests. Uh, in order to get on that list, I want you to text your name to 562-393-7330. I'm going to put that up on the screen. Text your name to 562-393-7330. Listen, I want to stay connected to you beyond the Sunday online service. I want to send you texts of encouragement and updates and alerts about the church. Text your name to that number. And also, you can download our church app onto your phone. Whether you have an iPhone or you have an Android, go to our website that has the link to it. And listen, this phone app, it has valuable tools in it. It has all my sermons that you can be encouraged as you go to work. My latest sermons, latest articles. There's places where you can take notes on that. Uh, you could read uh, certain updates about the church. I want you to download our church app today. Uh, stay connected. Lastly, every Wednesday night, 8 p.m., my wife and I host a prayer conference call. We need to pray. You need to pray. I'm going to put the phone number up on the screen. Uh, write down that phone number. Pray. Call in and pray. Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Just go to our website. Chapelofchange.org has all the information on that. So remember, after we log off, I encourage you to go to our website, hit the giving button, and give your best gift unto the Lord. Listen, I want to thank all our financial partners out there. I want to thank everybody who, who gives into this ministry, invests into this ministry. We just bought a giant tent that we are excited about. The way that we were able to do that is through your sacrificial giving. And we're believing that through that tent, many, thousands of people are going to be touched by the power of God. We're also believing that eventually we're going to take that tent to different cities. Uh, in fact, I talked to somebody today. I talked to a commissioner of the city of Compton today who said he has some land out there, Pastor uh, Sandy. He told me he got his aunt has some land out there that we could have a revival on, Gilbert. This guy, commissioner of the city of Compton just told me that today. 
So we're believing that that tent one day is going to be used at different cities to bring down the kingdom of God. So I said all that to say this. Listen, your financial investment into this church is going a long way. You're making an eternal investment, an eternal investment. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, at this time, I'm going to close out by pronouncing a blessing over you. If you're able, I want to invite you to stand to your feet. And it is our tradition before we dismiss, if you lift up your hands unto the Lord uh, like this, we will pronounce a blessing uh, over you. In the name of the Father who loves you with an endless love, in the name of the Son who died that you could live, in the name of the Holy Spirit who empowers you to move forth this week, may you go this week with the protection and the blessing of the Lord in Jesus' name. God bless you. God bless you. Hope to see you at one of our outdoor services on Saturday in Whittier or Sunday, Carson and Paramount. God bless you. This is Pastor Brian and Chapel of Change. We love you.